It is good to be with you today as uh, we gather this morning. I'm grateful for your presence, and I hope that you've been encouraged as we've been spending time in worship together today. And if you're visiting today, I do want to just echo what Chris said at the beginning of our time together and thank you for your presence. We appreciate you choosing to be here, and we hope that you'll stick around after church this morning and allow us the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. And we hope that you've been encouraged through our time together this morning. It is, it is my birthday today, and I can think of no better way than to spend it with you worshiping God. And I'm grateful, uh, most of all, for the opportunity to open God's Word together today. Before I start, though, I want to uh, publicly thank Stuart McGregor uh, for preaching in my place last Sunday. Uh, as many of you know and was also mentioned, there was a group of about 40 of us uh, that was down at Soul Link with our youth group last week and uh, last weekend, and it was an incredible weekend in a lot of ways. God was at work in, in all of our lives, and we were really impacted by that time. Um, but I want to I want to thank Stuart for filling in for me and concluding our life together sermon series. Uh, we we are fortunate to have a guy like Stuart McGregor, and uh, and I'm grateful for him. Yeah, let's give him a hand. <clears throat> I'm grateful for him and the ways he's using his gifts. Uh, to bless this body, so thanks, bud. Uh, if you if you missed that sermon, I would encourage you to go to our website or to the podcast so you can listen to it and, and get the last sermon in that series. Today we're going to start a new series, and we're going to be in John chapter 3 in just a minute. And this series is going to take us up to Easter Sunday, and I'm calling it This Is My Story. And over the next several weeks in this series, we're going to be in the Gospel of John and we're going to be looking at five different people in John's gospel, starting in the beginning of John's gospel all the way up to after his resurrection, uh, which we'll celebrate on Easter Sunday. Uh, and, and these people that, that, we, that, that meet and encounter, they have an encounter with Jesus during his ministry. And uh, we're going to look at their lives and the stories of their lives and how those interactions and encounters that they had with Jesus really, from that moment on, transformed and changed their life in every way. And so today, we're going to meet Nicodemus. And uh, this, this piece of art that I want to show you of, is of this scene that we're about to read in John chapter 3. Nicodemus goes to Jesus at night to have a conversation. And this painting was uh, painted by a guy named Henry Owasa Tanner back in 1899. Uh, and I like it for a lot of reasons, but... I think one, the main reason is that it, it just, I think it captures this story really well. Um, it's dark, it's mysterious, there's some secretiveness to this gathering, this meeting, this conversation that happens, uh, and, and we're going to hear that in, in, in just a second. But usually I have you follow along with me as I read a story, as we open scripture together. You're welcome to go ahead and turn to John chapter 3, but I actually want to ask you to do something a little different today. Today I want you to to look at this picture, and I'm going to ha actually have I've asked the guys there in the back of the sound booth to turn the lights down so that we can imagine this conversation happening at night. And I want you to imagine yourself there. You're eavesdropping in on, listening in on this conversation that Jesus and Nicodemus have with each other. And I want us to listen to the conversation, to the questions, to the exchange that they have so that we might learn together. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. John writes, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, 
We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me, my saying that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pre- pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, Jesus said. And, you, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come and we gather around your word because we know that it brings life to the full. And we we pray this morning, God, that you'll give us eyes to see and ears to hear all that you want us to see and hear, that we might live in the way that you call us to live. Through Jesus Christ we pray, amen. So Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, and he belonged to a movement known as the Pharisees. And one thing about Pharisees is that they, they, were, they specialized in knowing the law. So Nicodemus knew the Old Testament scriptures really, really well. He was a spiritual leader and he was a teacher. And he was also popular. He was beloved. He was older and he was wealthy, which we know because of something we're going to look at in just a little while. And Nicodemus lives in Jerusalem. And Jesus has been up in Galilee. But because Jesus is doing what he's doing, there's been a buzz all around the region. And if you're a Pharisee, you know about what's going on. You're hearing these rumors. And finally, you hear that Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. And you get to meet the man or see the man that had been creating all of this buzz. So Jesus comes to Jerusalem. And most of Nicodemus' colleagues seem to have dismissed Jesus saying something like, he can't be from God because he's not one of us. But Nicodemus seems to maybe have needed to see it for himself. He knew that something was up because he had determined that no one could do what Jesus was doing if God wasn't with him. And so an arrangement, as I imagine this scene, an arrangement must have been made for these two to have a conversation And the details were set, and the schedule was picked, and the arrangement was was, was made, and they decided it needed to be, Nicodemus decided it needed to be at night, under the cover of darkness, which I think just sounds kind of like a good line to an opening, you know, opening line to a joke. Two rabbis walk onto a rooftop in Jerusalem at night, right? And as they sit and they visit, Jesus 
speaks to Nicodemus, and he says that no one can perceive or see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Nicodemus says, yeah, but I'm old. Right? I'm an old man by this point. Jesus, things are pretty much settled for me at this stage in my life. I've held these views that I hold a long time. People don't change easily, Jesus. Plus, do you expect me to go into my mother's womb again? It's not even possible. And Jesus responds, either you're born again or you will never participate in what God is doing to bring the kingdom of God into the world. The NIV that I read from this morning translates it born again, but that word again can also be translated from above. Jesus is talking about something beyond being born. It's not just about being born. He wants Nicodemus to be born from above. And Nicodemus is experiencing in this moment what is called theological cognitive dissonance. I'm going to teach you a $10 word this morning. Steve, I expect my $10 after church. Theological, just meaning thinking about God. Cognitive, having to do with ideas, knowledge. Dissonance, having to do with a lack of harmony. Right? So this, this is any time, this is any time two conflicting ideas about God are competing inside your brain. Nicodemus can't wrap his mind around what's happening, what this means to be born again. He is experiencing theological cognitive dissonance. He doesn't, he's always thought he knew about God and he knew how he to, talk, to talk about God and, and how to encourage people to have a relationship with God. He has his knowledge that's given his, him position, his position and influence that he enjoys, but now he's confronted with something new. Born again. This is new and it doesn't line up in his mind, but he says it's obvious that you're doing something that's right because God is clearly with you. So what do you do about that? Nicodemus says, I can't forget it. I can't just dismiss it. Pretend that you're not doing what you're doing and that the impact that you're having isn't real. I can't ignore it and move on. And so this is what Nicodemus is dealing with in this moment. He knows God, and he knows that God is with Jesus. He just can't figure out why it doesn't look the way that he expected it to look. And now I have to be born from above, he says. So Jesus begins to explain what this means, to be born above. From above. Jesus says to Nicodemus that you have to be born of water, which we know of as baptism. We talk about as baptism. And he says, of spirit. This is what it means to be born from above. And I think we understand the first part pretty well, the water part. So it's the other part that I want to focus on today in this conversation that they have. In darkness, things always look a certain way, don't they? In darkness, things always look a certain way. But now, what's happening with Nicodemus is that he's being invited to rethink everything in the light of Jesus Christ. The rethinking of everything so that you and I can understand what God is doing, honestly, is not easily explained. Because it is spirit, Jesus says, and spirit can only birth spirit. In fact, Jesus said, you can't explain it. In verse 8, he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You can hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. 
So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. There is a mystery to being born from above. And just like it happens that flesh gives birth to flesh, there's a process, a nine-month process that we have to wait for a new baby to arrive, which means it doesn't happen all at once, right? A pregnancy and a baby arriving don't happen at once. There's a time that takes place in between. In the same way that flesh gives birth to flesh, Jesus says, spirit giving birth to spirit will be the same. And I like to think about it in this way, and so I want to take it not just to what was said, but I want to take it one step further. I'd like to think that we aren't just born again, but we're born again, again. And as followers of Jesus, part of what it means to be born of the Spirit is that we're always being invited to, to rethink things. You're always being invited to rethink the thing that you thought you already knew. And in life with Jesus, what we know is that we are all on a journey. And we are all in process. We're all on the way to understanding whatever it is we understand. And we only understand as much as we can possibly understand about God at this particular point in our lives. And there may be a point in the future where we understand something different or more clearly, or we change in some way. Life with Christ is a journey, and not long. And the same is true with Nicodemus, because not long after this conversation at night with Jesus, listen to what happens next. In John chapter 7, the story continues, and John writes, Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in, Jesus? Why didn't you bring Jesus in? No one ever spoke the way that this man speaks, the guards replied. The Pharisees res respond, you mean he's deceived you also? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? And they replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. It happened. He was rethinking things in the light of Jesus Christ. And though he could have stayed at a safe and ambivalent you know, distance, instead when the rulers and the Pharisees are reacting in fear, Nicodemus chooses to take a risk and speak up for Jesus in the council. And though his suggestion to his fellow Pharisees does not get Jesus a fair hearing. It would fall on deaf ears. We know that he kept on because he shows up again after Jesus' death. Listen to what John says later on. He says, later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came in and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus in the night. John always tells that line when he talks about Nicodemus. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Think about that. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. 
And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Historians say that 75 pounds of spices, first of all, would have been incredibly expensive, which we know means that Nicodemus had money or access to money in some way. And it is also incredibly elaborate and excessive. You didn't need 75 pounds of spices and aloe to bury somebody. And an amount this elaborate and excessive would have only been used for someone important. Historians say that King Herod the Great and Gamaliel, the, the, the priest who, who taught Paul, both records show were, were given these elaborate burials because of the kinds of people that they were and the respect that they had in the community. And so Nicodemus, what, what I believe is, is happening is that Nicodemus is making a statement. John is letting us know that Nicodemus thinks that Jesus deserves a burial fit for a king. He had been born from above. And if Nicodemus was with us here today, I think that he would say to you and me, this is my story. But I don't want to just talk about Nicodemus today. I want to talk about us too. This is Nicodemus' story, and it's my story, but it's also your story. Because all of us are invited to be born from above. Not just born, not just born again, but born again and again and again and again. Have you ever had one of those moments in your own journey with Christ? A moment when you thought you knew what you believed? Maybe it was an idea. Maybe it was a certain issue that you felt really strongly about. Maybe you'd even read the Bible and had the scripture to support your idea, and then something happened. Why don't we call it a meeting with Jesus on a rooftop at night? You, re you reread the same scripture that you'd been reading for years, and all of a sudden you saw it differently. You had an experience with God that was different than the, the relationship you had before that created some dissonance in your heart. Maybe it was a loss. Maybe it was a change. Maybe it was something unexpected. You heard someone teach, maybe, or you read a book or saw something that happened in our world, and you were forced in that moment to wrestle with some long-held belief about God, about humans, about the world, about the church, about Scripture. And maybe even after some wrestling with this new idea or thought, you knew that you could not go back to the old idea that you had before. And I'm convinced that every person that follows Jesus has countless moments like this in their journey with Christ. At every point, we have a choice to make. Do we lean in and do we trust that God is bigger than our long-held belief or idea or experience? Or do we, avoid the hard, you know, do we avoid the hard conversation, the hard wrestling that may take place? Do we avoid, avoid the dissonance that will be required to get to a different place? Right, but it isn't just our ideas or our issues or things we think feel strongly about. It's also our behavior. Maybe, maybe the, the change that happened in your life grew out of because some hurt or anger that you'd experienced. And you don't want to forgive, quite honestly. You decided that you deserve to hold a grudge. You do even want to nurse the grudge a little. It feels better, quite honestly, than forgiving that person. Maybe you've experienced Jesus' call to love your enemies, and you think, I don't want to love my enemies. I don't want to avoid gossip or envy of my neighbor and their life. But then 
you meet Jesus at night. And he challenges you to think things, think about things differently and rethink things with his light being cast upon the situation. Maybe it's, maybe it's none of those things. Maybe you've had questions about God or faith. Maybe you've had doubts. How can it be, God, that you're doing this, that you're in this? Where are you in all of this? Why am I going through this? This doesn't look the way that I thought it would look, God. You can hear Nicodemus saying, but then you meet Jesus at night, and he invites you to rethink things in his light. Notice, please, that Nicodemus does not get all of his troubling questions resolved. He may have had other conversations that we don't have insight to, but in this glimpse, we don't get the sense that Nicodemus had all of his questions resolved. But what we know clearly, as we follow Nicodemus' story to the empty tomb, is that Jesus, what Jesus did do was point Nicodemus in a new direction. Maybe it's that you've, you have a practice, right, with how you think about your time or your money, and then you hear Jesus talking about storing up treasure in heaven, and you're like, really, Jesus, my money matters too? What is it with you? Everything. You're, all, you're in all of my business. This is what I think it means, church, to be born of water and of spirit. Jesus will not leave us alone. He keeps pursuing, pestering even at times. And like many of you, I've had so many of these moments in my life. I've had enough of these moments of being born again, again, that I understand why Jesus said that the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That he came that we might have life to the full. I, like many of you, have tasted and seen that Jesus' way is the best way. As I look at the evil and the darkness in our world, I have come to believe that the only solution for the world is for people to be born from above. I think about scriptures that I've read at various points in my journey or teaching that I heard that flipped my world upside down and set me on a path to thinking differently about some long-held belief or idea. I was being born again in the Spirit. Spirit was giving birth to Spirit. I think about a moment when I was 19 years old and I was in Thailand, and I sat worshiping God with Thai people and a few Americans in their language, the Thai language, and I had this realization at 19 which feels now like it was a little late. I wish I, I'm grateful for Suzanne and all of our teachers who teach in children's ministry because Lana and I have talked a number of times. Our kids know so much more about what God is doing in the world than I did at my kids' age and the ages of all of our students and our children in our church. And I remember sitting in Thailand about the age of 19 in worship, singing Thai songs that I really didn't know, but I could see the translation. And it was the first time in my life that I had this realization that God didn't just speak English. In fact, English wasn't even his first language, or probably his tenth. God had moved outside the box that I had created God to be in. What do you mean, God? I gotta re-enter. I can't re-enter my mother's womb. I'm already 19 years old. And Spirit gently nudges me along and says, No, it's not actual entering of a womb, it's the Spirit. It's going to give birth to spirit. It's a process. The box that you had me in was really created by you and not by me. 
I think about a time when Lana and I were newly married. And we had no money at all. And the church that we were a part of at the time had asked for everybody to consider giving uh, to some special causes that were happening at the time. And we had a decision to make. We didn't have much money, and you know, I really didn't want, honestly, didn't want to do it. It was my money after all. I'd earned it, right? But then we started thinking about Jesus, and we remembered that we had been born of water and of spirit. And so we made the decision to participate with the church in whatever little we were able to give and to participate in, in our, through our giving. And years later, I can say, man, we have seen God continue to be faithful as we have tried to do the same. I think about times that I was hurt by someone, and I, didn't, I wasn't interested in forgiveness at all. I think about 12 years ago when I had reached a point, and I've talked about this a little bit in, in the past, where prayer was harder for me than it had normally been prior to that point in my life. It was always, always been a little bit of a challenge, but at that point it was dry, it was routine. And honestly, I, I came to times of prayer not knowing what to pray most of the time. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. You've, you've followed Jesus for some time and you're left not knowing what to pray. And when you arrive at that place, you kind of start questioning everything. But then through a series of people and experiences, or what I would call a conversation with Jesus at night... I began to learn new ways to pray that involved sitting with Jesus. Not all of that, unlike maybe what Nicodemus did. And me talking less, which is what most of my prayers up to that point in my life had been. And Jesus, trying to listen to Jesus talking more. And if the thought of listening to Jesus talk while you're sitting by yourself feels off to you, that's okay. That's what's called theological cognitive dissonance. But until you step through that door and experience that God will speak to you when we're quiet enough to listen, you'll never know if it actually happens or not. Through contemplative prayer and written prayers, I was born again, again. And I think about just a few years ago, after I was diagnosed with some health challenges, and it was the first time in my life that I had, not, I had something that, that wasn't going to be healed with medication and a few days of rest. And the hardest thing about that was that my, my imagined future for my life was no longer going to be a reality. And when I, I went through some really dark days of doubt, and I actually remember at one point in that time reading from John chapter 11, which we're going to look at in a couple of weeks, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. That's one of the encounters we're going to look at, one of the people's lives we're going to look at. And Jesus said to Mary and Martha in that encounter, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he asked them this really irritating question. He said, do you believe this? And at that point in my life, I could not answer that yes, I believed it. When life is going well and things are comfortable and cruising along comfortably, the reality is we don't have to think about things much, do we? You can be certain about a lot of things when life is really sunny and the skies are blue and the sun is bright. But what I've discovered, and it's been well documented in Christian history, that we are far more likely to come to God in the dark moments of life than we are in the sunny days of certainty. 
When we encounter something hard, a death, a loss of something, a job, a relationship, an imagined future, a diagnosis, a family struggle, we are forced to rethink things and evaluate if what we said we believed is actually what we believe. And I think that is what happened to Nicodemus, and I think it's what happens, the invitation is what happens with all of us all of the time. And there is a risk. We have to understand as we walk this road, there is a risk in the journey for us, just like Nicodemus. Because what happens is a lot of times, we, the way, we don't do this like in a mean-spirited way, but what happens a lot of times is that we, ha- we, we decide, we think about some idea, thought, whatever, in a certain way, and then we kind of categorize each other. And so sometimes, if you want to change some long-held belief that you've had, the hardest thing to change is the people's perceptions in your life. Because they've already decided that you're this kind of person. Why is, you know, Doug all of a sudden talking about this thing or that thing, right? Where is the person that I thought I knew? I think the change is going to be hard on us and it's going to be hard on, on other people. I think this is one of the reasons that John is always reminding us that Nicodemus is the guy that showed up at night because he wants us to remember that there is a risk involved in this journey. But it really is the only way forward, church, being born again, being born from above. And it's not all about having everything figured out by a certain age. It's about being willing again and again and again for spirit to give birth to spirit over and over and over and over again, to sit with Jesus in your night so that his light can make the way more clear. This is Nicodemus' story, but it is your story too. And Nicodemus thought he had God figured out. He was the teacher, the Pharisee of Pharisees. And then Jesus shows up and starts doing what he's doing, and everything changes for him. So now Jesus invites both Nicodemus and us to rethink everything in his light. And I love that John ends the story with some very well-known commentary of his own. When he says, after this conversation, after this conversation, John adds these words, which I think were very intentionally designed so that we hear these words, not isolated by themselves, which is the way we tend to hear them, but as a part of this story. This is what John says next. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. John wants to remind us that we are not alone in this journey. And so John finishes these thoughts with this reminder that God loves you so much that he gave Jesus to you so that through him we might have eternal life. And my prayer for us today 
is that we will be willing to re-enter our old ideas, thoughts, behaviors. Be willing to re-enter God's word and to be willing to come to new conclusions as we are born again in the spirit. Born of water and of spirit, born from above. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful today for your love for us. For a glimpse into this conversation with Nicodemus and Jesus and the story that unfolds as a result in the life that was changed. And we pray, God, that we as your people will be willing to, for the Spirit to birth in us new things that will never be the people who are set in our ideas or our ways, that will hold on to our beliefs and thoughts with an open hand, willing to be changed by you because we know that we have we do not have everything figured out and that we are all on a journey and in process. Until our faith becomes sight, as we sang a little while ago, we know that we are all trying to do the best we can to figure out how to most faithfully follow you. And we're thankful for people like Nicodemus who, who come and they, they wrestle and they question and they're unsure because the picture of what God is doing in the world is different than what they expected. And I pray that you'll continue to surprise us, that you'll continue to change us, overwhelm our preconceived ideas and thoughts so that we look like Christ. That is our heart's desire this morning, God, we pray. Through the name of Jesus and the church said, amen. If you would stand with me this morning, we're going to sing a song together. And if you have a need you want to make uh, public, we would love to pray with you. There'll be an elder down here and in the back. You're always encouraged to find somebody around you. Uh, however you need to respond to God, let's do that while we sing this song together.